0: Good morning. Good morning. Good where are we? Well, look at that. Good morning. I'll make a start. I'll we'll have some parents coming back over the next few Good yeah, morning. Yeah. Hello? Not coming through? They'll find me in a minute. There's a little uh, rumble of something. There we go. Look at that. Good morning. It's great to see you. I'll make a start. The parents will come in. There's always that moment where there's you think, wow, where are they all gone? It's like a, the parting of the Red Sea as they head down to the, uh, the children's area. Um, if you've been a- around us the last few months or so, we've, we always enjoy lots of praise and moments with the kids in our celebration all together. We haven't stopped that. We, as Ollie and Nikki have said, we're just trying to do things uh, the other way around this morning so we can make some room really to respond and to follow up on, on last week's um, opening message on the, the Holy Spirit to make room for us to receive this morning. Uh, next week at Garden Church will be um, I'm sure we'll have lots of fun with our kids in praise and celebration again together and remember as well from next week we are 10.30 starting everyone get that? 10.30 if you come at 10 you get to put uh, you don't get to put the chairs out there you bring your own chairs to Garden Church I don't, you just get to enjoy the sunshine for an extra half hour get the best seats I don't know but we start at 10.30 so we can be good neighbours to those that live around the, the, the church site here uh, and not disturb them um, too much Brilliant. So we've just um, really been praying that, that God will create a hunger and a thirst in us for more of him and to experience more of him as we, um, for, for us, for many of us, go back over another teaching series on the Holy Spirit. We, we teach this way from time to time. Uh, Paul speaks to the church in Ephesus and says uh, he, was, he was two years in Ephesus teaching them every day, it says, in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, Um, And later on he says that he didn't hesitate to declare the whole counsel of God, the whole plan of God to them. So uh, this apostolic teaching that Paul taught to the church, so they had good foundations to grow local churches on, and for other churches to be planted with the same pattern, Paul was teaching them over and over and over, uh, teaching them new things, reminding them of old things, calling them back to things they'd forgotten or drifted from. That's what we still do today in our preaching. And you'll find if you've been around us, I keep a, a little list uh, and make sure that, that from the, that every couple of years we go round again over some of the key doctrines or foundations of our New Testament faith in Jesus. And one of those is that we're a spirit-filled, charismatic people. And um, whether you're hearing that for the first time, uh, whether you've come from a background where that's not been normal for you, or whether you're here like me and you think, wow, I just need to hear that again and respond again, I'm thirsty again, then great, you're very welcome, you're in the right place and that's why we're doing what we're doing this week, next week, and over the next few weeks. We, we said last Sunday, I was just sharing a picture about watching a, a driving instructor with some 18-year-old lad at the wheel. And he made them do an emergency stop. Uh, and uh, we, we, we just sensed in the Holy Spirit, this is a moment for us just to, to, to stop and to pause um, not to rush back in after COVID and think we know how to kind of move the church forward, but to learn again with the Holy Spirit, to, to welcome him as the instructor, um, to teach us uh, how, to, how to move forward into this next season of, of church life, rather than thinking, oh, we, we've got this for ourselves. I, lo- I love Nikki's picture earlier. Those, those, it's a very scriptural picture, isn't it? Just about walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I grew up in my teenage years, I played in lots of bands, and uh, my friend Twee is a brilliant blind uh, pianist, and every gig I went to, I'd take Thuy with me on my arm. Uh, he was a young Vietnamese man, uh, adopted out of the Vietnam War, and uh, Thuy was is completely blind, and um, we'd walk along, and, um, and I walked him into many a lamppost, and uh, one time I walked him into a ditch, Um, and into door frames and all kinds of things, because I'm chatting and saying hello to people and not realizing that, of course, Tui can't see where he's going. And it's not like that when you walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Um, You're not going to walk into a door frame or be walked into a ditch. He's a good guide. He's a good leader. Uh, He sees ahead. And so, uh, yeah, Father, we we just welcome your spirit again this morning. And, uh, yeah, we pray right now this, this picture would be alive for us. We're in faith this morning. And if we're not yet in faith, we, would you just stir fresh faith in us um, as we open these simple scriptures the next few minutes, that we might believe that for, for my life and for the life of my friends here, we might know what it is to, to, to be connected to you, to be on your arm, to be walking with you, to be led securely into your promises and into the steps that you have for us. So yeah, we just welcome you right now. Take, take a moment, lay hands on yourself. If you're thinking, wow, I, I, don't, I don't know about this stuff, I've not experienced this, just say, Lord, please, I'm open today come on just express it in your own words quietly where you're sitting thank you Lord thank you Jesus yeah we're open to you Holy Spirit we're thirsty for you wow it's been uh, it's been a week of 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 parties in our house my parents have been staying dad's birthday Monday Noah's birthday Tuesday Kaz had a big birthday with a, a five in it apparently um, on Thursday, is that 35? Yeah. Something like that. 25, yeah, okay, it's getting better. Uh, 25 times two <coughs> um, on Thursday, and then on, uh, was it yesterday, last night, this morning, I don't know when we finished, uh, we celebrated Ben and Daisy's wedding a year on uh, with all the people that couldn't come to a wedding under COVID. When we were praying earlier this morning, I said, I, f- I feel like this, I've just spent the week serving drinks to people. Um, but this morning we're saying, come Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at a verse where Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. You don't have to pay at this bar. Um, you don't have to tap your card or hope you've got the right cash. Um, you just need to come to Jesus with whatever measure of faith you have, and he promises that he has a, a drink for you. Anyway, should we get to the sermon rather than my meanderings? Yes, Kaz says, that's good. Um, so we are saying last week we, we need the Holy, this beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit in all of life. He's not relegated just to our meetings. We're saying about not being an Acts 1 church, but an Acts chapter 2 church. And if you're not sure what I mean by that, we're going to look in Acts chapter 2 in just a moment. Um, We're saying we don't just want a one-off experience of the Holy Spirit. Some of us were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the 80s or the 90s or in some move of God, and we kind of look back at it nostalgically. No, we're saying we want to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 uh, tells us that don't get drunk on wine. Wow, we put hundreds of bottles out by the recycling here last night after celebrating for an evening. Don't get drunk on wine, the the scriptures say, but keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, there's a a better, deeper, richer, more satisfying intoxication for us that is the presence of the beautiful Holy Spirit as he comes upon us. That in some imperfect way, uh, the the lubrication of alcohol is is only a a, a tiny pointer towards, a signpost of... Um, And so we're saying, no, Jesus, we we want your presence in this way every single day. We were saying last week, you're our helper. Um, You're our friend, our companion. We have fellowship with you. We walk with you. And you're our empowerer from the inside out. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is speaking of Jesus, who's about to come blazing onto the scene. Uh, And he says in uh, Luke 3.16, John says, (coughs) excuse me, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The, uh, the ties of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, John, soon after, baptized Jesus in water. Uh, and he confirmed though, that prophetic word again. Then in Acts chapter 1 uh, and verse 5, Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. He's been raised to life on the third day by the power of God. Um, he's, been, he's been with his disciples and he's about to ascend into heaven. They still don't know that. Uh, they haven't read the end of the story like we have. Uh, and in Acts 1:5, he reminds them of John the Baptist's words. Some of them were there. I'm just going to move that around a little bit. Uh, some of them were there at the beginning. Um, just kept seeing it out of the corner of my eye. Um, and I get a bit funny with my arms, you know, something. It'll end in tears. Um, and in Acts 1:5, uh, Jesus reminds his disciples, John baptized with water, but in a few days... You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In just a few days. Again, they didn't know quite what that promise meant. But a few days later, those words were fulfilled. Acts chapter 2 at at Pentecost. So we're just going to look for a few minutes this morning. What is this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Um, And then we're going to make some room to worship, to respond, and to deliberately receive. The word baptism that is translated baptism in in our Bibles, we're familiar with it when you see baptism in water. Um, someone who's following Jesus goes down into the water, they come up again, they're absolutely soaked. They've been immersed in water, and that's what the word that is translated baptized in our Bibles means. It means to dip or to immerse. It's the same word that was used for people that would dye a piece of fabric or cloth to change it from uh, whatever its natural color was to, to a bright red or a blue or whatever color you were dyeing it. The word is you baptize the cloth. You put it down into the dye and you leave it there to soak up the color and it comes out again transformed. Okay, the Bible is teaching us that we should expect to be overwhelmed immersed in, soaked in, so that everything changes by the, the Holy Spirit. So how do we approach this? And how do we, how do we grow in faith to receive afresh from God? Well, we're, we're going to look at how the first church in Acts received the Holy Spirit. And I, I trust that we'll be in faith to believe, that, hey, this is for us as well today. I think in all of this, it's just worth saying, John, John 3, Jesus is so wise. When he's with Nicodemus um, in John chapter 3, uh, at night, he's told Nicodemus, you must be born again. I think we looked at this passage last week. And uh, I think John, John 3.8 is the key for us. I've, I've helped people through to baptism in the Spirit over decades now in, in different continents, different countries, small churches, big churches. Uh, I've preached these kinds of texts over many years. Um, but I think what Jesus says in John 3.8 is, is true. He says, you should not be surprised by me saying you must be born again. The wind, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Just when you think you have a nice, neat formula for three steps for how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, even when we look at some of the scriptures, we'll find there's no room for neat formulas. The wind, the Holy Spirit, we've got the doors open this morning. Next week at 10.30, we'll be out in the breeze. The wind blows where it wants to. You don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So we're going to look at some scriptures. We can find some frameworks that are helpful for us, but we're not boxing God in. God is God. The Holy Spirit can do what he wants to do, and he's very welcome to this morning. So just bear that verse in mind. Acts chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to cough again, excuse me. (coughs) Just turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Jesus said this promise is coming. You'll be baptized in just a few days with the Holy Spirit. And uh, just a few days later, uh, I'll pick up at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, It was a festival in the Jewish calendar. They're in Jerusalem. They've been waiting obediently, as Jesus told them. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound came, like the blowing of a violent wind from heaven. Yeah, the wind blows where it wants to. You don't know where it's come from. Suddenly the wind came um, uh, and uh, filled the whole house. Where they were sitting, could you imagine the doors beginning to rattle here and a breeze coming in, filling this whole room? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I just hear you, you say, "All of them, yes. all of them"? Now nudge the person next to you and say, "That's you too." This is, this is, yeah, they are. Well done. Um, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here's the first outpouring of this promised Holy Spirit. It falls on the waiting disciples. disciples, And there's this manifestation. It looks like fire. We find another manifestation soon is that they, they're so overwhelmed that the people that, that, as they spill out into the city, the people that see them think maybe they're drunk, even though it's early in the morning. There's another link with intoxication there. And, of course, the speaking in tongues. We'll come to that in a, in a few minutes. And it's just worth noting, uh, and this often gets missed when we look at the other more kind of evident manifestations when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, mission was the immediate outworking. They spilled out into the city, Um, And uh, Peter stood up, verse 14, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. There's an immediate missional intent, Jesus said, when we receive the Spirit, that we'll be his witnesses. We'll We'll bear witness to what we know about Jesus. How does that happen? Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. He's been locked in the upper room. Suddenly, he's standing in front of a big crowd in the middle of Jerusalem, and he's preaching the sermon of his life about Jesus. So there's all kinds of manifestations we're already seeing here, but let's not miss the fact that when we get filled with the Spirit, we begin to talk about Jesus with people that are all around us. Let me hear an amen to that one, please. Wow. Acts 2, 37, 38, the end of Peter's sermon. You can read it for yourselves at home. When the people heard this message of Peter... They were cut to the heart. There's a a sense of them being convicted of their sin by the Holy Spirit. They said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, listen to this. Verse 29, uh, 39, sorry. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. If you're looking for the small print here, is there some small print that says this was just for the first church, or just for the generation uh, that saw the, the, the word of God spread around the Roman world at the time? Some people would say that was the case. No, this promise is for you. It's for your children, Peter's generation. It's, it's for all those who are far off. That, that, I think that means in geography as, as well as chronology, is that the right word, in time as well. Uh, And just in case you think that doesn't include you, all whom the Lord our God will call. If he's called you, he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Wow, wonderful. Uh, It's linked to repentance and forgiveness. This promise is given for those who say, wow, I'm turning away from my sins. I'm cut to the heart. I've heard Jesus crucified on the cross for my sins. What do I do to be saved? I need to be saved. I'm under God's wrath. I turn to him in repentance. I get baptized in water in obedience, and I receive this promised Holy Spirit. Wow, And it says, we get to the end of those verses, 3,000 responded in that way. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how they baptized 3,000 in Jerusalem on that day. I don't know how 3,000 received the Holy Spirit but the, the, the ones that have been in the upper room that have just preached this sermon had themselves only just received the Holy Spirit. They didn't have a ministry time manual. They didn't know how to do these things. I think they just invited God to move in the same way he'd already fallen on them. And on that day in Jerusalem, 3,000 more. Um, and in fact, I think they just counted the men. So it's 3,000 men plus women plus children. Who knows? It could have been 10,000 people that were born again, baptized in water, received the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, So... Uh, it seemed to happen altogether. Uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. <coughs> we find uh, they've been locked up in, uh, in Jerusalem. They've been really happy there. It's a big church. It's a great church. There's some exciting things going on. But Jesus said, no, when the Spirit fills you, you're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. They didn't want to go. And as so often happens, uh, God shook them out from their place of, of comfort Um, that's how we ended up planting our first church, we went to the north of England where we thought we'd never go, and then after nine years planting churches in the north of England when we thought we're here for life, God prized my fingers off the church and shook us out and sent us to another place, that's definitely what happened here, this time through persecution, this man called Saul is persecuting the first churches and they're scattered, a great persecution breaks out Against the church. And of course, when they're scattered, they go to other places. Right now, we're hearing about churches being planted in. Kraków, and in other parts of Poland, because Ukrainian believers that have fled from Ukrainian cities over the borders into Poland are meeting together. They're sharing Jesus. The Poles are saying, "What have you got to be happy about?" They say, "Yeah, life's terrible, but but Jesus loves us, and churches are being planted, and people are being saved." That's just what happened here in Acts chapter eight in Samaria, <coughs> verse four. Philip um, is one of those who's been scattered. Have we got any Philips in the house today? Ah, oh, big shout out for the Philips, wow. Um, normally we've got one or two, but there we go. Um, those who've been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. He spoke about Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw, you get that? The crowds heard Philip. This wasn't in someone's front room. Um, the crowds in the city. And they saw the miraculous signs that he did. That gathers crowds. They all paid close attention. Their eyes were fixed on him. It's the same when you read the stories about Jesus in the Gospels. Every eye of the room was on him. And uh, with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. Many paralytics uh, and disabled were healed. So there was great joy in that city. I, I, I bet there was. Wow, may there be great joy in this city of Crawley as we proclaim Jesus. We didn't get our city status, I heard, yesterday. But there's joy in this city as the people of Jesus Christ proclaim him boldly, full of the... Holy Spirit, whether we're a city or a town, uh, Jesus loves Crawley very much. Just jump down with me to verse, um, let's pick up at verse 14. When, uh, when the apostles in Jerusalem um, heard uh, that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John. This is what good apostolic teams do. They, they father the work of God. They break stuff out, but they also come and affirm and check it out um, and make sure it's sound and it's it's growing well. That's why we work with apostolic teams as well. It's a real privilege. So the apostles sent Peter and John from, from head office um, down to Samaria. Um, and when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They'd simply been baptized in water into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John. Place their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. What's happening here? People are clearly born again in Samaria. There's great joy in the city. Uh, Philip has been baptizing people. Philip's certainly satisfied that these people are genuinely born again uh, believers in Jesus Christ. It's a true conversion. Uh, But in verse 15, the apostolic team come, and then people receive the Holy Spirit. So they've been born again. Um, we don't know how long for before Peter and John come to town the apostles with their little team and they lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Spirit some commentators say it was a few days some say it was a few weeks some say it was a few months but what we have here Acts chapter 2 they got born again baptized in water received the Holy Spirit all in one kind of one amazing day salvation package three for the price of one I don't know here in Samaria in Acts chapter 8 they're born again and baptized in water but it seems there's a few days at best, or a few weeks or even months at worst, before they receive baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Two different patterns here for us. Turn with me to Acts chapter nine. Uh, Are you still with me? That's great. I love Acts. Just love reading through Acts. Saul is converted. We know him better as the Apostle Paul. He's going to a city called Damascus. He's going to lock up the new believers there he doesn't like this new movement and on the road to Damascus we still talk don't we about a Damascus road conversion Paul's knocked off his horse he meets Jesus he hears him speaking to him Jesus says go go to um, go into Damascus And Paul goes uh, obediently. He can't see anything. He's been blinded from meeting Jesus in that way. And for three days, he waits in Damascus. At the same time in Damascus, the Holy Spirit is speaking to a man called Ananias. If you know Acts, it's a different Ananias to the one who was killed earlier, obviously. Um, There are some good resurrections in this book, by the way, but that isn't one of them. Um, And a different Ananias. You can't help them having the same name. I was once helping a church plant in the south of Italy, up in the mountains somewhere, and I was in a little men's meeting with some of the men leaders uh, for the day, and there were, there were 10 men in the room. One of them was called Steve, uh, one of the, uh, and the other nine were called Antonio. Um, so we had big Tony, little Tony, short Tony, bald Tony, uh, all the, every Tony you could wish for. Okay, there's, there's a couple of Ananias in the scriptures. Don't get confused. This Ananias is very brave. He hears the Holy Spirit. Uh, And he boldly goes to, to, obediently, to visit Paul. Remember, Paul's come to lock guys like him up. Um, People are getting killed. Stephen was stoned uh, at Paul's approval. So Ananias is a brave guy. You're going to have to take some brave, courageous decisions when the Holy Spirit fills you and speaks to you if you're going to be obedient to God. And Ananias goes to him. Verse 17. Uh, Ananias went to the house um, in chapter 9, 17 and entered it and placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, I love that. Saul, put Saul, Paul, he's already a believer. <laughs> he's, he's met Jesus. He's been completely undone. His whole life's work is ruined. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got a new direction now. He's blind, he's weak. Everything he'd relied on is broken. Um, but he's been obedient to Jesus. He's done what Jesus told him in his vision on the road to Damascus. And Ananias already knows. He's already following Jesus. The evidence of him following Jesus is that he went into Damascus and waited, just as Jesus had told him. And so Ananias is confident to say, Brother Saul, uh, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I remember praying for a lady with such bad cataracts on her eyes in Romania. One time a lady called Maria um, and uh, she had special glasses but even with her special glasses she couldn't see through them. She couldn't afford the operation though she was trying to save slowly. It was the end of a late night meeting and over 60 seconds I saw her eyes clear and become completely normal. Uh, I always think of Maria when I read this, uh, the scales falling from Saul's eyes. Hey, if you're sick this morning, Jesus wants to heal you. He, 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 sometimes we see healings happen gradually over time. That's amazing. And God's made our bodies to respond and heal themselves. Uh, but sometimes things happen immediately. Scales fell from Saul's eyes. Anyway, back to the text. Um, what's happened here? So um, I think Paul, Saul is born again on the road to Damascus. He's obedient. Um, Ananias calls him brother Saul. Then he receives the Holy Spirit as Ananias prays for him. Three days later, then he, he gets up, he eats, and he's baptized in water. Every young man has some food first, eh? I mean, you've got you to gotta eat, haven't you? So we've got a different order again here. Born again, receiving the Holy Spirit, then baptized in water. Totally different order to Acts 2 and Acts Eight. Um, Turn with me to Acts 10. Let's do a couple more of these, and then we'll come to some conclusions for us. Um, Acts 10, Peter is at Cornelius' house. He shouldn't go to Cornelius' house. These were non-Jews. Peter was a Jew. They shouldn't eat with them. It breaks all the rules. (coughs) Peter has to be persuaded by a vision. And at the same time, um, uh, God's been speaking to Cornelius, who invites Peter to come To his house. Peter goes to his house. He takes some of his buddies, uh, Jewish buddies, with him. And again, he preaches the most amazing uh, sermon about Jesus in Acts chapter 8 about uh, what Jesus did um, and uh, how he died and was raised uh, again and what it means for us. Um, Verse 44 of chapter 10 While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard. The message, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, that's the Jews, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter said, "Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? I always feel like Peter's looking for a reason not to baptize them. He he still doesn't want to be with these guys. He's He's not convinced yet fully. Is there a reason why? Can we find some small print to not baptize these guys? No, they've, um, he says, is there a reason? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. The same Holy Spirit. He, when he falls on, the, on, on God's people, we get unified. Whatever background we're from, whatever your skin color, whatever your race, whatever country on planet Earth you've come from, whatever language you speak, whatever education you've had, whether you've written doctoral theses or, or whether you struggle to read as an adult, the same Holy Spirit brings us together into one new community, one new family in Jesus Christ. There's nothing to stop us being together, worshipping together, growing together, in fellowship and friendship together, speaking into one another's lives. As Peter discovered on that day, there's nothing to stop us. We've received the same Holy Spirit. Wow, I love the gospel. I love how it works. Um, and so, oh, look at this. I uh, love this as a pastor. Verse 48. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they ask Peter to stay with them for a few days. So what happens here? The Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles while Peter's still speaking. They're still listening. He's not finished the sermon. How disruptive is this? Um, they I don't know quite when they get born again. I think it's all happening at once, but he's not done the appeal yet. They've certainly not been baptized in water yet. They get baptized afterwards because Peter orders it, so they receive the spirit as they're being born again. And then they get baptised in water. And by the way, if you've not yet been baptised in water, I can say it to you because I'm preaching the passage today. I I can order you to be baptised. It's not your choice. It's not when you feel like it. It's not when your great aunt can come uh, and celebrate with you from Swindon, although that would be lovely. You get baptised because you're being obedient to Jesus Christ. If I'm following you, Jesus, I'm going to get baptised in water uh, and I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit. That's how it looks in the New Testament church. Peter ordered you, and so with a smile on my face, as an Englishman, we don't like to do this, I can order you to be baptised. We're in Garden Church next week. I'm very happy to fill the paddling pool. If you've not yet been baptised as a follower of Jesus, we'll put you in the water and celebrate together. It's just a little aside. Um, Acts 19, one more. (coughs) Paul's in Ephesus and uh, this was Paul that we were looking at called Saul earlier. If you're, if you're confused, you can read these stories for yourself. His name has changed. His whole life has changed. And uh, Paul is taking the road. Uh, he's, he's split from some of his friends. Uh, and he's taking the road through the interior, the country roads. You know when you just fancy a drive in the country? I'll go the slow way. My granddad used to drive me and my big sister to, to pick us up in Horsham um, when we first moved down south as, as kids And he'd drive us to Devon in his Hillman Imp in the summer holidays. And it would take two days to drive to Devon. (laughs) Because Grandad would drive the coast roads in his Hillman Imp, which never went over 35 miles an hour. Anyway, that's what Paul's doing here. It's the Hillman Imp equivalent. He's taking the interior road to Ephesus. And he arrived there. He just wanted a bit of me time, I think. A bit of time to think and uh, pray, pray things through. It's been a busy season. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues and prophesied. There are about 12 men in all. What's happening here is another example of the first church receiving... The Holy Spirit. I've heard this passage taught about Paul meeting believers who receive the Holy Spirit, and it's taught as a, um, a, a proof text for us to say, oh, there can be a big gap uh, for believers who've not received the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that's the case at all here. Uh, this is not an argument for the delay in receiving the Holy Spirit. There's a, the, the problem it's, very, it's a nice way of using that text, but the problem with it is these men were not followers of Jesus. The only message that had got as far as Ephesus to their ears at that point was the message of John the Baptist. John's message, as, as Paul explains to them, was repent, there's a Savior coming. But they didn't know who the Savior was yet. They'd not heard of Jesus. How can you be a, a follower of Jesus if you've not yet heard of Jesus? You've got to hear about him. And so Paul explains Jesus to them. And they say, Brilliant, that's what we've been waiting for. That's what John's baptism led us hungry and thirsty to wait for. Now they get baptized. In water. If they were already believers in Jesus, Paul wouldn't have baptized them again, but now he baptizes them into the name of Jesus, not in the name of John, in the name of Jesus, the one they've been waiting for. Um, and so uh, then they receive the Holy Spirit. So for me, I think this passage teaches us of people who are, uh, are born again, baptized in water, receive the Holy Spirit. Bang, bang, bang. In one moment, one conversion experience. So what are we saying from these passages? We could look at more, but let me move to some conclusions for us. The filling of the Holy Spirit is rightly linked with the moment where we get born again and begin to follow Jesus. And if you're not yet, if you're not yet taken that first step as a follower of Jesus, this is good news for you this morning. You can receive the Holy Spirit in this way as you come to faith in Jesus. But the, the fullness or the experience of the Holy Spirit is not always immediate. We can't say that from looking at these texts. In Samaria, it was a few days, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few, a few months' time. Uh, for Paul, the, or Saul at the time, he waited three days from being born again to receiving the Holy Spirit. But sometimes the Holy Spirit just begins to fall on people even before they know they're born again, like it did uh, on the people in Cornelius' house. So I think for us we can expect this experience uh, of the Holy Spirit being received around the time we're born again and then over and over again as we walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Certainly we, we, can't, we can't get born again without receiving the Holy Spirit. John said that, uh, Jesus said that to Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3. And certainly we can say the New Testament knows nothing of churches like ours in the West today where we would have believers who've not yet been baptized in water uh, or would say they've been following Jesus for years, or even decades sometimes, but they haven't yet fully come into a baptism in the Spirit. If that's you this morning, wow, what a brilliant place you're in this morning that you can come now into this promise for you. I don't know why sometimes in our churches we've developed this gap, but certainly when we look at the New Testament church, there's no thought given to the fact there might be some kind of group in those churches who are saved but have not yet fully received the Holy Spirit. There's no thought that there might be churches that would develop, that would go back to looking more like Acts chapter 1, where they're waiting for something to happen, rather than living in the fullness of Acts chapter 2, because it has happened. But we have to say, our modern experience tells us that there are many of us as believers that are not living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's why we teach on this stuff again And again and again, there's obedience required for us to come and say, oh, yes, Lord, when when my life doesn't line up with the Scriptures, what do I do? I I can tear some pages out if we like. We looked at uh, Customized Faith. That was our series a few weeks ago. We could tear out some pages and shape the Bible to look like my experience. Or we can say, oh, God, I'm brokenhearted. I humble myself before you. I'm going to bring my line into life with the Scriptures. I want to be faithful to the truth of the Word of God. So my expectation for us as an Acts 2 church is that we should look to see the Holy Spirit received over and over again for us, growing gifts and growing fruit in our lives, certainly at the time of salvation for those who are being born again, not waiting till a later date and expecting people to be filled with the Holy Spirit from that point on. I saw yesterday our friend uh, Kim Pull and Terry and Kim, um, Kim was born again a year ago uh, on one of our online Alpha courses and uh, we did the Holy Spirit uh, teaching on, the, on, on Zoom, um, on the online Alpha course. Kim received the Holy Spirit um, while, we, while we prayed on Zoom. That's not an act, but there we go. Um, it still works. And uh, we didn't know at the time, um, but as Kim was born again and receiving the Holy Spirit, um, she can tell you her own story, but she'd been drinking every day of her life since she was a teenager through some trauma and then grew up in a pub and, um, and had, had been uh, you know, pretty much addicted to alcohol every day of her life for over 20 years. That moment on Zoom a year ago yesterday, Kim got born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit. She's not had a drink since. She's been addicted to alcohol for over 20 years. And in a moment, as the Holy Spirit came on her, Jesus set her free. Friends, this is, this is true. It's real. We're in faith for this today in your life, in my life. Kim on YouTube this morning Waiting for an operation, we're praying for you and we're grateful for your your story. This is what we're in faith for, so we can expect to see the Holy Spirit given. There's no no expectation from these scriptures of some kind of um, gradual experience that we have to go through some kind of process, get to a certain level first. Uh, It's not some further down the track experience for people who've got themselves more mature. No, people get filled with the Holy Spirit early and they know about it. There's no waiting for a second stage until something new happens. Listen, if we just had Acts chapter 2 and our Bible stopped there, then we'd be teaching this morning, okay, we're going to wait now because the instruction in Acts 1 for Acts 2 was wait Because the promised Holy Spirit is coming soon. That's what they did. The Holy Spirit fell. But we've looked at the wider story and the context today. Not just one verse or one proof text that we prefer. The day of Pentecost now is the exception. That was the the kind of tipping point. Jesus went up into heaven. In John 7, 37, Jesus stood up on the last and greatest day of the feast. And he said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of him will flow rivers of living water. And John says, by this Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given... Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. What does that mean? At that point in John 7, as Jesus was speaking, he hadn't yet gone to the cross to die for our sins. He hadn't yet been raised to life by the power of God. He hadn't yet ascended into heaven and been glorified from where he poured out the Holy Spirit that was experienced by the first church on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit wasn't manifest because Jesus hadn't been glorified. If, if Tony, if you'd gone to Jesus, John seven thirty-seven day, and you'd heard him say that and said, Jesus, I've got... Such a thirst, I want to receive this promise. Jesus would have said to you, Tony, what he said to the other disciples. Brilliant, Tony. Love your thirst. Wait. That's what he said, wait in the city, the promise is coming, in a few days time, Acts 1, 5, you'll be filled, because Jesus hasn't yet been glorified, he has to ascend, but now Jesus has been glorified, in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, as Peter stands up, Acts 2, and verse 33, he says, this, this Jesus, whom you crucified, is now both Lord and Christ, he's ascended into heaven, he's now poured out his Holy Spirit. Even in his first sermon, full of the Holy Spirit, Peter's giving like a common." Tree on John 7 37 um, now he's been glorified now the Holy Spirit has been come and so does Peter tell the 3,000 on that day of Pentecost brilliant okay guys here's what happens thank you for saying what must we do to be saved let me tell you for us we were told to go to an upper room and wait so I don't know how you're going to fit in there but, but maybe let's all cram in upstairs and we'll no he, he didn't He didn't shoehorn them into his experience. He understood now by the Spirit what had happened. Jesus has been glorified. The Spirit's been poured out. There's no waiting for us now. If we're thirsty, we come to him and we can drink. We can receive now. John 7, wait. Acts chapter 2 onwards. Waiting was for those first disciples. But now we receive the promises for everyone. And for us to be in Acts 2 and beyond church, we should expect this dynamic friends you don't have to wait this morning and there's no preparation there's no idea that you need to get yourself good enough that whole idea some of you are having it right now this is brilliant I love this it's great for some of the people here but I'm not ready I'm not worthy enough I'm not good enough I don't know enough God's not ready to touch me Wow, had Kim got herself ready a year ago when she got born again and baptized in the Spirit on a Zoom call? Had she done anything? Had she been on a course? Had she learned enough? No, Jesus has been glorified. There's no hindrance. If, if you've repented and believed in Jesus, you're Ready. That's it. That's all you need. That's your only qualification to receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you were in Cornelius's house in Acts chapter 10, you didn't even need to be sure about that to receive the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is wanting to pour out His Spirit, then you're ready. Don't let the devil uh, convince you to believe a lie this morning and 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 to say, oh, "I'm not sure I'm ready for this." Friends, this is for you this morning. It's current. We can believe God today. It's up to date. It's for us. And so, John 7:37. Let's come back to that invitation and we'll take some time to pray for one another if you're thirsty you qualify if you want this this baptism in the spirit the only qualification you need is this invitation from Jesus himself come to me and come to me and drink you can receive we can take this morning on the basis this is from god it's it's for you it's for me um, we can we can simply ask him um, <laughs> we can just receive even faith for that this morning. Are you ready to be prayed for? Ian, Ben, come, come back. Come and help us. We're going to come to the promise. Let me just say briefly about the gift of tongues that's come up in, um, in a lot of these verses. Sometimes people spoke in tongues. Sometimes they prophesied. Sometimes they look like they've been on the, on the sauce, on the wine uh, a little bit. Don't worry about the manifestations. We're coming to Jesus. He's going to grow fruit and gifts in our lives. We're not worried about what happens in these moments. We're looking at, what's the fruit in my life in the next few weeks? Am I more loving, more kind, more patient, looking more like Jesus? Am I knowing a new boldness in my speaking about him? But the gift of tongues is one of the beautiful ways that we can know we've received something. You can read for yourself. I'll put the scriptures up later on the Facebook page. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, this gift of languages. Um, Paul says it, it strengthens us as we speak in tongues. Other gifts strengthen the church, like prophecy. You understand what I'm saying when I prophesy to you. But when I pray in tongues, I'm somehow mysteriously in the economy of God. I'm strengthening myself. I'm building myself up. This is a precious gift. And we often expect to see this gift given uh, as uh, we pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. Just begin to play some beautiful worship music. Thanks, guys. Um, It's not biblical to say the gift of tongues will always follow. When you receive the Holy Spirit, we can't say that. From the, we don't have a proof text for that. But I, my expectation is that, that mostly people do. Certainly it's Paul's expectation in 1 Corinthians that a charismatic church, like us, with a gift of tongues is a common gift. Again, for some of you today, if you don't yet have this beautiful gift of languages, you can receive that. But it doesn't just happen. You just understand a couple of things. We, um, it's not God who speaks in tongues. It's, it's you and me. Uh, If we're, sometimes I pray with people, yeah, I want to receive the gift of tongues and they stand there and their mouth is closed. They're waiting for God to do something. God's done something. He's poured out his spirit. But speaking is something that you and I do. I have to open my mouth. The language God gives, but I have to open my mouth and let my speech apparatus begin to work. So as we pray in in a moment, I'm going to encourage those of you that want to receive or step out again in this gift of tongues, just begin to speak with the words that God gives. Just in faith, believe that he's giving you words. I love the story of Elisha, where he tells the woman to gather up all these pots and just begin to pour out oil. She was out of oil in a time of of drought. The miracle is that as she pours this drop of oil that she has left, it just continues to flow the fear for us is as we begin to speak in tongues I just have one one or two words and then it will all dry up no we just keep pouring keep pouring keep speaking to God keep worshipping him and, and the flow will come the miracle happens the gift gets given and we get strengthened so Peter in the in the as he walked to Jesus on the water. Jesus said, come over to me. Peter didn't have to wait to receive the spirit of walking on water, whatever that is. He, he used his, his normal walking apparatus and stepped out onto the water. Uh, and uh, God did something. Uh, and Peter began to walk. He, he took his legs into a dimension that they weren't used to working in. So it is with us, with our normal speech apparatus. We just begin to speak. We just begin to pray. We just begin to worship. Some of you have started and stopped with the gift of tongues. Can I encourage you today, this week, in the weeks ahead, just press through again. Why don't you stand with me? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Listen, I know many of you here already filled with the Holy Spirit, already walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Brilliant. Don't know about you, but I'd like some more of that. In Acts chapter 4, we see Peter and the guys who are with him on the day of Pentecost getting filled with the Holy Spirit again. Well, hang on a minute. Haven't they had tongues of fire on them just a few weeks before? Yeah. But, but they wanted to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's for you and for me today as well. Let me just ask you, maybe for a handful here that think, I, I don't know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. Have you repented? Have you begun to follow Jesus? That's your first step today. Repent and believe. If there's just one here or two here, that no, I'm I'm ready to follow Jesus. Take that step now. Just uh, pray and invite Jesus to take over lordship of your life. And then this promise is for you. It's for all of us. Lord Jesus, we're not staying where we are. We come to you now. We, we put ourselves in a posture of being ready to receive. We believe your word this morning. We want to be filled. We're in faith. We want to see others filled. We want to see people who've just been born again filled. And for those of us who've been walking with you for years, we want you to release and unlock afresh all that you're ready to pour out over us. Lord, we're longing to have this assurance of being his sons and daughters that the Holy Spirit poured into our hearts springs. We're longing to know this fellowship that Nikki was prophesying about, of walking with you securely. We're longing to know our power over sin and addictions that we can't have on our own. Lord, we, we hear Kim's story and we think, well, I need that in my life. And we invite you right now to come. Oh, Lord Jesus, we long to have your fruit growing in our lives and your gifts, powerful gifts, like the gifts of tongues and prophecy and healing and administration and boldness to witness growing in and around our lives. Jesus, we need your Holy Spirit. and So we welcome you this morning. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So if you're wanting to receive, many of you got your hands up already? Just open your hands. It's just an open posture. God can fill a man with his hands in his pockets. That's okay. (laughs) But we're just saying a little bit open. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We welcome you now into every heart come Holy Spirit you've been unlocking you've been loosening through these last weeks your oil's been poured on stuff that's been locked up and closed come Holy Spirit we welcome you we welcome you we welcome you just in your own words just express your thirst and hunger say thank you Jesus I don't have to wait for this promise I'm receiving now receiving now Can on speak some of those words some of those promises you've heard today thank you Jesus thank you Jesus we're receiving your spirit if you're following Jesus for the first time just begin to thank him for forgiving your sins say Jesus I want this gift of your spirit too I need your power thank you Jesus <laughs> thank you Jesus some of you just begin to speak in tongues come on some of you for the first time just press through now don't worry about the person next to you they're not worried. they're not listening to you The Holy Spirit's giving tongues, languages right now. Some of you are thinking that just sounds like baby words. In faith, we're we're believing that in some mystery. God's going to strengthen us with these baby words. He loves it. (laughs) Come on, Lord. Just begin to pour it out. You need to pour out your speech to God. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. This is not, you're making this up. It's nonsense. No, it isn't. These are the promises of God. We believe them today. They're true today in the 21st century. We believe them. We we stand against every lie. We're pushing through. Come on, keep praying. Keep murmuring away in the Spirit, in tongues. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to heal some of you right now as you're just worshipping and praying in the Spirit, receiving this physical healing. Thank you, Jesus. There's heart healing. There's traumas getting healed, emotions getting set right. Immediately scales fell from Saul's eyes. There's some immediately is happening right now around the room. We believe that, Jesus, as you release his spirit. As peace coming to hearts in turmoil. Thank you, Jesus. The band are just going to lead us in a worship song or two. Just keep receiving. I think in a moment we're going to invite people to respond specifically. We may have one or two words of knowledge. But just keep, don't get distracted. Just keep receiving. If the songs help you sing along heartily, if it helps you just to pray quietly, pray quietly. But let's keep receiving. Keep in thirst. Keep praying these promises over yourself. If you've got a friend with you, you want to pray with them. pray with them. Thank you, Jesus.